Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. another episode of feather and fur your host brad hurlbus and today we have on amy bockhart welcome to the show amy. thanks brad happy to be here i'm happy to have you on it's gonna be a fun show um definitely they're all, they're all fun shows i mean but, but they're always great there's never any problems there's never ever any weird time <laughs> no really though i mean it is a fun podcast i mean we're laid back it's just it's always a good time to get to know new people and hear different experiences out in the outdoor industry that's the best part about this. You get to meet all these wonderful people and share stories and common interests and all that cool stuff. Exactly. And that's where it's mm -hmm. fun. That's that's one thing I like to celebrate on my show is just like the different experiences people have and the traditions they have mm -hmm. and, and passing that along to the next generation. And not even the next generation, just passing it along to people who aren't actively into the outdoors and be it mm -hmm. older onset hunters, young hunters, all of them. Yep, definitely. It's great. And especially when you can grow it. See, I'm very, uh, very active in our youth organizations and I bring kids into the competitive aspect of it and the regular hunting aspect of it. It's great just to see they're thrilled. They're, some people are trophy hunters and they go out and they shoot a doe or a button buck and it's like this huge trophy to them. And it, it's great to see their face light up. Absolutely. And that's... One, like social media gets such a negative light on that because everyone's like, oh, let it grow. You shouldn't blah, blah, blah. And if it's a trophy, like it should be celebrated. And if you took that shot, that means it's a trophy to you. And that should be celebrated. No matter what mm -hmm. your opinion is, it doesn't matter. Definitely. I agree a thousand percent with that. <laughs> so it's great. Like, and that's one thing a lot of people like in Wisconsin, we moved away from having registration stations. So before, okay. you, if you shot like specifically for deer hunting, but if you shot a deer, you used to have to go to like your gas station or your local hardware store. And like they would, you'd have to register it and they'd have ear bands, metal ear bands on hand. And we went to an online registration. And one thing that people okay. complain, like one of the big downfalls people say, and I can understand that is when you'd have to we're at the registration station, like people would hang out, they would talk. They talk uh -huh. about the number of deers they're like deer they're seeing. They would talk about um 
like, oh, that's a great buck. You never heard anybody say, oh, you should have let that grow a year. Like that didn't happen. Like every harvest was celebrated because nobody, like people are respectful in person. There's no keyboard to hide behind. Oh, that's yes, definitely. (laughs) It's great. And the best part about hunting is the stories. Even the stories of the ones that you don't get, sometimes they're the better stories. Right. (laughs) You never know what will happen. Everyone's got one of those, at least. Mm -hmm. If you if you don't, you are either extremely lucky and should buy a lottery ticket or you just haven't been out there enough yet. One or the other. That is true. I had this huge six pointer in front of me in archery season twice. Conditions just weren't quite right. So that's that's my my favorite. I saw it and I wanted it, but couldn't get it story. <laughs> that's always a shame, especially like twice in the same season, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three oh, days apart. There it was. The tines were six seven inches long it was beautiful that's a shame that's because you know like at at that point you're doing it right but the like it just isn't quite there i know nobody shot it so maybe he'll be there this year see what he looks like do you have cameras out not yet not yet Mm -hmm. not yet we'll get there so i i run I run a uh, Wi-Fi camera, not Wi-Fi. I run cellular cameras like a lot of people do. And um, mm-hmm. I'm running, what am I, who do I use? Spy point. I think it's spy point. And right now, like during this time of year, like I just, I don't pay for pictures. Like I've got a hundred, mm-hmm. like you get a hundred free photos. So I'm like during yeah. season, I'm, I'm paying for unlimited, but like right now sure. it's like, ah, whatever. And we mm-hmm. just had the new month start yesterday. So I'm like, and like, I don't think about it. It's the off season. And all of a sudden I start getting pictures. I'm like, Oh, cool. So I start looking. I'm like, there are a lot of deer and turkey. I'm like, whoa, that one's already growing antlers. Mm-hmm. And by today, I'm already out of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> and it begins. And now it's like, nah, it's too early to start paying for a premium plan yet. Like, it's okay. <laughs> like, like, like you could just like they weren't like they were almost taller than the ears already. I'm like, huh, and only one, and it's June. Wow. I'm like, that uh-huh. might be a big deer. That uh-huh. might be already, something. sure. That's pretty cool. Yeah, we like, have we have some doe around. I haven't seen anything with antlers yet, but it doesn't mean anything. It's early. That was I've got quite a few picture of deer on the camera, and that was the only one I could see any sort of antler growth on, mm-hmm. which really surprised me. I wasn't expecting that at all. Like right. I, I'm like, wait, like I went back and I'm like, oh, I'm just half asleep. So I went back later and looked again. I'm like, no, they're like they're like a little nubbin. Like and you know, already started to split. I'm like. Uh-huh. Oh, that's going to be a big deer. Uh-huh. It'll be neat to see. Good luck with that. <laughs> or it's not. See, that's the crazy. Like, my focus is like with my dog, and I focus so much on bird hunting. Okay. So, but the cool thing is, like, my father-in-law, my oldest and youngest, need both archery hunt. So I'm, I'm hoping one. Okay. Of them. Nice. Yeah, that would be great. That would be so great. And, and if none of them do, I'll, I'll just hopefully have my chance during gun deer. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My niece, my oldest niece just turned seven. So she was out with my brother last year and he shot a turkey and she was with him when he shot the turkey and she was thrilled. Oh my goodness. I've never seen her so happy about something. That's awesome. Great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She called Bring- me, she's giving me all these stories and I don't think half of them are true, but she was happy. Uh, <laughs> she inherited you- her. Her aunt's ability for storytelling, I guess. Perfect. Already getting that taken care of. Oh yeah. The pines were three inches. Or the 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 spurs were three inches long. Wait. Uh-huh. What? <laughs> I couldn't even lift them. They were so big. Mm-hmm. This beer dragged on this ground even when I was carrying it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You got it. That's awesome. Started That's early. awesome though. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Yep. So how did so what led you into the outdoors? Was it a family thing? Was mm-hmm. it, did you kind of take it up on your own? No, my dad, he my dad grew up with it. My dad and his cousin, who was like my second dad, they big hunters. I grew up with hunting stories. People get stories of princesses and princesses when they go to bed. I got hunting stories, which is nice. cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I was I was out with him from the time I could walk. And my first deer was the year I turned 12 and he was there and it was it was so cool because it was uh, a spike buck and we were sitting in he built me this box with one of these little uh, 
like alcohol heaters in it where you stick the toilet paper in and dump alcohol in it like this forever burning kind of thing. Sure. And we were sitting there about 10 20 in the morning. This button or not button buck spike butt comes up, lays down the laurel bushes, and I'm looking at him. He's telling me, Okay, do you see its nose? Yes. Go four inches under its nose and aim right at the neck and boom, and there it was. And that was my first deer. It was so cool. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be 37, and that's still still my favorite hunt. That was cool. There's so, there's so many memories there. It's your first. You're with your dad. Mm-hmm. He, he's yep. got. The, he's doing the mentorship thing. Like, oh, do you yeah. see where the nose is? Like teaching you like where to shoot. There's a lot mm-hmm. there. There's a lot. Yep. Oh, it was cool. That was a good time. I remember he's trying to get me to eat toaster strudels because we had this this uh, like pan setting on top of it to heat food up. And I didn't want the toaster strudel. I was on a mission. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It was good. That was a good time. But my favorite one, well, not my my second favorite one. So the other gentleman I told you about, my dad's cousin, I was with him the year after that. We were in the same stand and he was sitting with me because I was only 13. I couldn't sit by myself yet. And my dad had done a push. Same time, 1020 in the morning this massive seven point comes walking up and according to my cousin there were two deer and the second one was bigger well i never saw the second one they were up in like the this grove of white pines up above where that stand was so i got my gun up i was ready i had him in the scope and all of a sudden he moved the gun on me and i'm looking at him what are you doing Well, here he didn't see the seven pointer and I didn't, I still don't know what that other one was. So I moved the gun back. I'm back on starting to squeeze the trigger. He picks the gun up and moves it again on me. I'm looking at him. And when I moved it back the second time, he saw the deer that time and I was able to shoot it because he didn't move it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We still laugh about that one. That's hilarious. Yeah, he took it upon himself. He didn't know what I was shooting at, so he was moving the gun to where the bigger deer was. So he says, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This other deer was never seen by anybody other than him. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yep. What are the odds of that? Like, like, what are the odds that you didn't shoot? Like, he was in the middle of moving the gun. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) And then both deer are gone. And then, and then, and then you're, then you're always like, remember that time you made me miss not one, but two deer at one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That was a little 44 Ruger. I had that thing was great brush gun. Like I've never had before. That was a great little gun. Lever action. Mm-hmm. Those yep. are fun. I've, oh. I, I don't own one, but I've shot one numerous times. So that's a fun uh-huh. little, that's a fun little brush gun. I would agree. Definitely. Now I'm right-handed, but I shoot left-handed because I'm left eye dominant. So when they were getting me a rifle, they had to get something that I could shoot left-handed. So we ended up with a lever action. I have a 22, same gun, just different caliber. And that thing is great too. I really like, I enjoy the lever actions. I'm a fan. Um, mm-hmm. I had a 30-30 for a while and I really like, because where, where I hunt on public land up north, I'm spoiled and my father-in-law's own some land around here. So I hunt private down by me, but where I go up North for deer hunting, it's all public land. Okay. And a lot, I hunt a lot of swamps. So ah. a lot of my shots are mm-hmm. 75 yards is a long shot. A lot of mine are like 40, yeah. 50. It's bow, hun- okay. it's bow hunting ranges really. Oh so yeah. Like, nice. I normally don't use something with an optic. I just wanted iron sights, something quick mm-hmm. pointing, easy to carry for drives. And I wound up having a lever action for a while, but I've actually, okay. I've, I've, I've migrated now. now I, two years ago, I built a custom 450 Bushmaster AR-15. Oh, nice. Very cool. So that's I wanted nice. to tinker with something and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, let's play with a 450. That's a heck, that's a large bullet. And I'm like, this will work. This will be fun for hogs. If I go for hogs mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah. So that's that, no more lever for me, but that. but that that's my new fun little one. There you go. My the one that I've been taking out recently and that I shot the last year with is little seven millimeter, one of those Rugers, bolt okay. action. I really like that too. I seem to gravitate more towards Rugers. That's that's the gun of choice. I don't know. Just they make nice uh compact. I like the compact. Sure. hmm I know a lot of people are really happy. I mean, 
I've got a Ruger 1022. I've got another Ruger as well. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head. But I know a lot of people really like Rugers. I've never had an issue with any of mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all but I think one of mine is a Ruger. I really like them. They've been good to me. I spread the love a little more than that. I've got Smith and Wesson and FN and Savage yeah, or, or not Savage. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. Savage. Yeah, Savage. My first one was a Savage. It didn't work out so well. So we ended up swapping over and I went Ruger. I didn't go back. <laughs> well, there you go. As long as it works, right? Mm-hmm. It fits you and you're comfortable with it. And Yep. Yep. Gun of choice. Nice. Yeah. Do you archery hunt also, or just? I do. I just don't make it a. I don't make it a very big priority, and the reason being, um, archery season here falls right over grouse season. Mm. And if the last time I had a really good archery hunting season where I actually put a lot of time in the woods was -hmm. when my dog was injured. Okay. Otherwise, I go out into a tree stand and I'm like, I feel guilty because I could be up north running my dog, chasing birds, what we both Mm -hmm. really enjoy doing. So. I really don't do much on the archery for deer anymore. Gotcha. I like archery better than rifle. I, I enjoy archery. Anything when I can have a bow in my hand, I'm I'm happy. Whether it's archery hunting or competitive archery, indoor, outdoor, I'm I just like walking around with a bow in my hand. I was just deal. you that perfect segue because I wanted I was just gonna ask, like mm. what when did you make the transition from gun hunting to archery? Um, when did I make the transition? I was maybe 15 or 16. Okay. Maybe when I swapped out, not that I still don't go gun hunting, but I I do like archery better. When I was about 12 or 13, my dad's best friend got him into competitive archery. My dad was always an archery hunter. He used to shoot one of those old golden eagles with the fingers tabs and stuff. And, but he got him into the the more competitive archery and the bows with the, the wheel wheeled bows and all that stuff on there. <laughs> and we just kind of all followed and we started to go to 3d shoots and okay. it just all kind of fell into play. Yeah. Very nice. It's funny. Cause yeah. you're all like the wheeled bows and whatnot. I, I just bought a bow recently and it's a recurve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a recurve. I'm not very good at it. I don't, I don't hit much. I'm, I'm a half decent archer. I can hold my own like in competitions and stuff. And I put a recurve and I can't hit things and it frustrates me. <laughs> Definitely a learning curve. This is my first mm-hmm. and I got it about a month ago now and I've been practicing in my basement. Definitely mm-hmm. a learning curve. I really got it for bow fishing is what I got it okay. for. Um, I've really been on a bow fishing kick lately. I did a lot of tournament fishing like for kayak, like kayak bass mm-hmm. fishing. And I just need something different. Like I've been doing it long enough i'm just like eh, i want to challenge i want to change so i've been really mm-hmm. throw, i've been doing more bow fishing i'm like i want to recurve i've always wanted to recurve so i got a mm-hmm. recurve like that i can hunt with like it it is i mean it's what is it 40 i went 45 pounds so that way there i'd have enough to be able to if i wanted to go take mm-hmm. take it for whitetail i could um mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm nowhere right ready yet to be starting to shoot at deer unless it's like within spinning distance. I'll tell you that much. Cool. I could see why you'd want that for bow fishing. It'd be hard to be working a back tension when there's this fish just swimming around in the water somewhere. I'm <laughs> still using crazy. a really old, I have an old bear whitetail too, compound bow. It's real okay. old, but I have that set mm-hmm. up for bow fishing and it works. Um, mm-hmm. The recurve's fun as well, just something different. Yeah. I've never tinkered with bow fishing thought about it i think it would be fun to shoot into the water and be able to get your arrow back but it is fun it's Mm -hmm. it's social as well like at least with how we do it it's social because there's normally you're not normally out alone i'll be out alone tonight actually on my kayak because i'm playing with a different setup like use my kayak Mm -hmm. so that'll be fun like because it's gonna be just different um but for the most part it's kind of social and it's just a good time and it's kind of it's you got to be okay with being messy yeah like, gotcha. like it's, it's just different like it's fun though mm-hmm. like it's it's fun especially when you get into fish like like i went out earlier this year on a friend's boat which really fired me up to like get back into it because i used to do it a while ago but mm-hmm. he really fired me up to get back into it like really into it this time and i mean i had a sh- i shot what five fish or six fish that night but i had to have shot a hundred times 
Uh-huh. Like just getting used to like it took me forever. Like, like I know like you have to aim low, aim low. Mm-hmm. But I'm like aim low and like now aim lower than you think. Like I didn't get my pelt to the point where I'm like, aim low enough you feel you're gonna shoot under the fish. Uh-huh. And that's where it finally got to the point where I started hitting wow. fish. Okay. There was definitely a learning curve for me. And there's no sights. There's no anything like that. Like, all that's ripped off. Like, it's just instinct. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That, yeah, I like my, I like my clicky sights and my back tension and my long stabilizers. And I do hunt with pins, but my competition bow definitely has all the bells and whistles on it. So how long have you been doing competition shooting then? Um, I started, I guess, the most competitive stuff, I was 13, 14, okay. somewhere in there. And then I shot very competitively until I graduated from high school. Then I went to college, so I got out of archery for a while. And then it's only really last year, the year before, that I started to get into the bigger competitions again. Last year, I was back to nationals and IBO Worlds. And this year, we're going back to the big ones again. So I'm very, very happy to be back. You meet people from all over the world. I shot with a girl from Austria once when I was in youth, and that was really neat. That's cool. Definitely glad to be back. Yeah, I missed it. I completely understand that too, um, because they're all little communities, right? And a lot of people don't recognize that. And I don't under—I don't know the bow hunting. Like I don't know the bow hunting. I don't know the the tournament bow community. Mm -hmm. But I bet you it's very similar because I was on an off-road race team for years, and I bet you it's a very similar feel, like Mm -hmm. because you're all staying at events. You're all with each other quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's like, while it's a competition, it's very family-ish at the same time. Definitely. Whereas like if something broke and you didn't have a spare, someone would be like, yeah, you can hear. Like, Uh like, I'm not going to, like, I don't want to beat you because you couldn't compete. I want to beat you while you're competing. Like you not competing isn't the same. Exactly. That's what I always say. I don't, I don't want to win because I won by default. I want to beat somebody to be the best in order to be the best. You have to beat the best to be the best. So why would you want to settle for not? Not that you want anything to happen to them because you certainly don't. It's all you want to beat them at their best. Exactly. Something you just strive for. And I like the competitive edge of it. Definitely. I like going out. And it's funny because at least in my class, we're all cheering for each other while we're competing against each other. Sure. It's definitely a great thing definitely you want it like and that's the same like you want to see everyone succeed mm-hmm. you just want to beat them while they succeed like you just want to just beat them though like i get it completely like, yeah. like you want to win <laughs> and you're competitive so you want to sure. win but you don't want to see anybody else fail necessarily exactly yes exactly the so the first leg of the ibo triple i don't know if you know anything about nope. the ibo so the ibo is international bow hunting organization and they have spring nationals and winter nationals and all that. I have never shot those, but there's three in the summer that they call it the triple crown. So that's three different national shoots. The first one was in May in Pipestone, West Virginia. The second one is in Franklin, Pennsylvania by Pittsburgh. That's in June. It's actually in two weeks. We're going to that one. The third one is at uh, Hawking College in Ohio in july it's actually my birthday weekend this year so that's pretty cool and then you have the world championships it's back in west virginia this year so that's neat but the first leg of the ibo i ended up coming in third in my class and the girl that won it killed it and i got to shoot with her at worlds last year and i was so proud of her because she did so amazingly well jenna rocked it that's awesome that was neat mm-hmm. that was so neat so standard, like, let's talk about one of the legs, one of the, one of the crowns, right? Mm-hmm. How, how many days is it? How many times are you shooting? Like how many arrows do you like, how many different, is it set up like as courses? Is it 3d? Is it like, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, the IBO is 3D. It's all unknown. So you walk up to a stake. Now, my max is approximately 40. So I could shoot something potentially for 43 yards, anyway, from 43 to zero. Usually we're, they don't set our targets under 20. It's rare that I shoot them under 25 even. So you walk up to your stake. You have to say this target is so many yards away. I try to judge to the closest five yards. Otherwise, my brain goes wonky and I can't pick a number. And then they're all 3D targets. So the IBO is Reinhardt targets. They're very easy to pull. They're neat looking foam targets. Draw back, you shoot. And I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. okay. So you call out the range. So you call out the range of the target. Are you judged on how well you can range the target then? No, no, you okay. don't share your number with anybody. You set Got your it. sight and then you shoot it. If you picked a good number and made a good shot, it should be where it's supposed to be. If you pick a it. bad number and you shoot, chances are it won't be there. It just adds an extra element to the competition. But sure. I've, the entirety of IBO is unknown yardage. ASA, there's both known and unknown yardage. That's Archery Shooters Association. I want to get more into that also because that's pretty cool. But the IBO, so there's 40 3D targets. You can shoot all in one day. You can shoot 30. You can shoot 10. You can shoot 20 and 20. We usually try to shoot 20 and 20 depending what the weather's going to do. And something new that the IBO started is the field course, which that is all known targets. It's not 3D targets. There's these, there's three black circles. There's a circle here and a circle here and a circle here. Okay. And this circle is worth 10. This circle is worth 13. And then this circle is worth eight. If you don't hit inside the circle, you get five. If you miss it completely, you get zero. But those you can range and shoot at. So that's pretty neat. So that's another 40 targets. So I shoot 80 targets for competition on an IBO weekend. Plus All right. however many you throw at the practice bales. Sure. Mm -hmm. But it's great. And you go walking through the woods and some of the shots are bow hunter set up. At the last leg, I had this coyote set about 40 yards away. I thought it was 35. So I hit a low eight. But we were we had to shoot in between these trees. They were maybe four inches apart, and you're going right through. That was exciting. I was just happy to hit that one. But you never know what you're going to encounter. And then sure. you walk up to the tent, and you hand them your scorecards, and they assign you a group to go out. And you get to meet all these people that otherwise you never would have met. And then you get to know them, and you see them at the next shoot, and you say, hi, how are you doing? So you you get to meet all these people and remember them. And, but I think one of the neatest things about the, the, like the triple crown weekends, you go into a restaurant out there and it's just this, this mass flood of shooter jerseys. And you think, Oh, well, I know this Jersey and this Jersey and it's cool. <laughs> like they're all in for the archery shoot. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, mm -hmm. cause it's that big community, right? Exactly. Are there different, exactly. I know you already kind of let on that you have a very competitive bow set up mm -hmm. extreme. So is there, is there different levels at, at those series? Like, so mm -hmm. is there like a hunting lot? Like, is there like yes. a factory bow level? Is there like mm -hmm. a modified bow? Like what, like what are the different, mm -hmm. like what are the different things there? Okay. So I shoot what's called an open setup. Okay. And there's no limit to magnification. There's no limit to the size of the stabilizers you can have. It's pretty much anything you want. There is a limit on either how fast your bow can go or the grains per pound. So your arrow has to coincide with your bow. So my bow right now is set at 54 pounds, I wanna say. So the arrow weight, can't be more than five times 54 or can't be less than five times 54. Okay. And I can't do that math in my head, but that's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll do that really quick on my calculator. Sounds good. <laughs> 270 grains. So my arrows can't weigh less than 270 grains or I could be disqualified or anything like that. Um, I think that my class also has a limit of your bow can't be pulling more than 60 pounds, which for me isn't an issue. I'm, very content with my 54. 
Um, the men's classes, I think, is a little bit higher, but it's still that five grains per pound rule. Sure. Now, there are hunter classes. They shoot closer, so they have limits on you can't move your sight once you started the course. And there might be two or three pins. I can't quote that. I've never shot the hunter class. And your stabilizer can't extend more than 12 inches from your bow riser and all that kind of stuff. Um, but so there's hunter class and then there's advanced hunter, which the equipment is pretty much the same, I believe, except you just move back yardage. The next step to that would be the open classes where I am from the open classes. There's a men's semi-pro class. They were trying to get a women's semi-pro class. It didn't happen yet. So if I wanted to move up in class, I would have to go to the pro classes. The only difference between my class and the pro class is they're another 10 yards behind me. I could take my bow and shoot the pro class as it is, but I'm sure I wouldn't hit as many targets as they do because I have to learn another 10 yards to judge. Sure. That 10 yards is a big difference. It's crazy. And then judging, because now you're looking at targets, what, 25 to 50, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, approximately I'm... 50. Yep. Yeah. And I'm sure that they don't get 25-yard targets. Sure. They're a little, they're a little out there. And that's not, I mean, there's a, there's a difference between 42 and 48 yards. Like there's a Oh, difference. for sure. Especially for sure. with the level of competition. Like it's one yeah. thing to still hit the target, but it's another thing to hit it for score. Mm -hmm. And the further back you get, the closer you have to be on your yardage because your arrow gets going slower as it goes. So I can be off about five yards i think between 20 and 30 yards and still stay in the 10 ring but if i'm off five yards at 35 yards then i'm looking at an eight and sure. the further back it gets you have to be more exact but i can be off about three yards one way or the other and stay at 10 if i make a really good shot so that that's definitely helpful the fun the funny thing, I guess, I don't know about funny, about archery, at least competitive archery, if you want to be really good, it's mental. Most of archery is in your head. It's neat that you don't have to be the fastest kid or the strongest kid or even the smartest kid when it comes to shooting a bow. Anybody can do it. Sure. But if you have to beat what's called target panic. Do you know what target panic is? I have an idea of what you're going to talk about, but... For everybody that's listening that mm -hmm. does it? Target panic is basically the fear of missing. Okay. When you are at full, then there's there's all different forms of target panic. People everywhere, any archer that has shot for any an extended length of time has fought with it one way or the other. Some people get the punches. It's like if you have a trigger and you just start whacking at it when you think it's in the middle. I've watched people not even be able to shoot or they'll bring their bow up and all of a sudden they'll get it into the middle and they'll shoot it real quick. It, it's crazy. Some people just yank or they push or, and like all our kids that are on their second year. So I'm the head coach of West Penn Archery S3DA program. And my, my dad is, we're about co-head coaches, but all the kids that haven't been in for longer than a year, they, all get target panic it's crazy to watch and you can see it coming because their mind starts to play with the score and they know they're getting good and they get the punches and then you're trying to talk them out of that and teach them strategies because you never really get over target panic you learn sure. how to work with it you have to trust the float because your bow is going to move you can't hold it perfectly steady no matter how much weight you put on it you just learn to trust it and work with the movement. That's a lot, especially for younger kids mm -hmm. to process, right? Like Definitely. that first year, it's all fun. And like they might see, uh -huh. they'll see some improvement. And then come that second year, you get the ones that are somewhat competitive. Yes. And now that, that's where I'm sure uh -huh. that's where you really start to see it set in. Oh, definitely. Their brain play. It's always their brain. I that if I could take your brain out of your head and just let you shoot, you'd be fine. <laughs> but no, always. <laughs> but it makes, I mean, because at that point, like you're, you're in the head, you're calculating what your score could be like. And mm -hmm. if you have any idea what anybody like, like if you know where you are and you're doing the same, like 
competing against the same people relatively often. You know who you're trying to beat. And if you yeah. know where their score is, then you need to know what you have to do to beat them. And now I like, uh -huh. now you try to like push past your capabilities in that pot. Like I, I get it. I get all mm -hmm. of it. Yep. Some of them get a little too competitive though. When you try to talk them back down, just go have fun. I don't care how you shoot, go have fun. We have one boy who is really good, but in the ASA, so IBO, we count center 11s. In the ASA, there's low 12s and high 12s. And the S3DA, which is the program, the youth archery program that we are a part of at West Penn, they count the lower 12s because ASA is the parent program. So he'll shoot center 10s all day, but we're trying to teach him to aim at the 12s because in his class now, he has to get 12s or he won't podium and it drives him crazy that he won't podium but he won't aim at the 12s so he could hit them if he aimed at them got it the spiral and the, 12s, and the describe the target where is the okay. 10 and the 12 in comparison to each other i think i know but i don't because okay. i've never done competition but i'm thinking in my head i think i have an idea of where this would be but mm -hmm. i know there's listeners right now that have zero idea like some of the bird okay. hunters out there that have never held the bow in their life, they're like, what is she talking isn't, about? <laughs> isn't the 12 in the center of the 10? How aren't you aiming at the same thing? <laughs> All right. So on a 3D target, the the small, the biggest perfect circle. So there's an eight ring that's not a perfect circle, but the biggest perfect circle. If you're going IBO, there's a small circle right in the center of that circle. That's worth 11. If you're ASA or S3DA, like our kids are, in that big circle, there's a low 12 right on, so it's still inside the 10. And then there's a high 12. So I don't know that I have a pen, but so a circle and then two circles inside the circle. Got it. The lower 12s are always in play. If they want to shoot at an upper 12, they have to call the upper 12. And then the lower 10 doesn't count in, or the lower 12 doesn't count, and then it's only a 10. But you have to aim at the 12s consistently to hit them. Once, I mean, you'll luck into them once in a while, but you pretty much have to aim at them. It's, it's a whole game in itself. Aiming center 11s, everybody wants to aim in the middle, but sure. holding off the middle is a challenge. One that I'm trying to figure out myself. <laughs> got it and I, mm -hmm. so the low so it, i mean you're right it's hard to not aim into the center mm -hmm. I, I i get that completely and even if you have like a target that's got five different bullseyes on it you're always aiming for mm -hmm. the center of those bullseyes it might not be sure. the center of the target but you're always aiming for the so to have an offset bullseye inside of a bigger ring just yes that's not what you're used to seeing like for uh -huh. anything yes it it's definitely different but once you can train your brain to aim low, aim off center, you're fine. I just haven't quite figured out how to do that other than to just go out and practice aiming at them. Sure. Because that's it's a different game. I grew up shooting IBO. That was the competition uh, organization that I was in. But now that I'm trying to get into ASA as well, it's totally different. And the rules are different. And there's bow max speeds and all this stuff that is different but it, it, it's good it's good to be able to do all these different areas of archery it definitely makes you better and that i mean it's like for the competition like even in like mm -hmm. like especially in the field then because i mean going mm -hmm. into a hunting season definitely. you have to have some pretty high confidence in knowing like mm -hmm. here's my like i don't know what your set yardage is and like not like for live it's up like anything like 30 yards, 35 yards. Like I always had it in my head, like when mm -hmm. I practiced with a compound a lot, I still wouldn't go past 35. That's just mm -hmm. like where I hunt. So like, and that's only one lane. A lot of my spots is 25 to 30, really realistically. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I wouldn't, like wouldn't go any farther than that just because it's to the point there's too many small twigs and there's this and there's that oh, and there's other things. Mm -hmm. But for shooting competition and practicing all summer, you have to go into the woods pretty confident in your capabilities of like, if this thing walks in a lane within this yardage, mm -hmm. I'm pretty confident I'm going to be able to make that shot. Yep. I know I could be deadly up to say 50 yards, but I will never shoot at a deer that far unless 
I've already hit it and it's wounded and I have to make that shot with it. I don't, I don't go in planning to shoot anything further than 25. I have a 25 pin and a 35 pin, okay. but I, that 25 will get me anything from zero to 25. So I can just hold where I know I need to shoot to kill it. And I'm golden. Agreed. And that's part of the thing with archery hunt, at least for me, mm -hmm. I was never trying to push like how far away can I shoot the deer? It's yeah. How can I position myself so I don't have to be far away to shoot the deer? Exactly. Yes. And I never want to have to take that second shot at it either. Right. I'm okay till I shoot and then I shake. I don't get buck fever until after I shoot. Even a doe, I get doe fever. <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. And then I shoot and then I get shakes. So if I ever have to take that second shot, it's going to have to give me a little time first. <laughs> I have to, when I have a good sized deer coming, even a doe, like especially if I don't, mm -hmm. if my freezer's empty and I want to put meat in my freezer. We eat a lot of venison. We do like a lot mm -hmm. of venison tacos and I make pastrami yeah. and I do, we, we don't buy ground beef. We use ground yeah. venison for pretty much everything throughout mm -hmm. the summer that my wife and I, so we don't rely on it, but it would change our diet if we didn't have it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like we'd have Same. to go buy ground beef and stuff like that, which mm -hmm. isn't what we want to do, but I still have to control myself and like control my like breathing and control my mm -hmm. heart. Like, and that's before the shot. Like, especially when it's a big buck and there i mean the last good buck i shot um was a nice eight and it, it was okay 10 minutes into opening morning a gun wow so like the eh, maybe 20. it was early mm -hmm. though and it was coming down it was coming down a hill from my right to left mm -hmm. and i'm watching it and it's coming down a hill through trees and there's quite a few openings and quite a few different shooting lanes there throughout there Mm -hmm. And then it gets to our old logging road. And when they get close, they run. Like, cause they don't okay. like, like a lot of times they'll like hop and skip or like, go. Yeah. I'm like, all right, I'm going to take it when it pauses before it crosses the opening. Mm -hmm. And I took that shot and it bucked hard and it took off running like it wasn't hit. And I'm like, oh. and you, I have this on camera too. And you can hear me. Uh -huh. like, you can hear me literally telling myself, no way did I miss. No way did I miss. And mm -hmm. it came, it went up a hill and crested and went down and, this is all within a hundred yards of me. I thought I heard it crash, but I couldn't hear it for sure. Like I didn't know if I heard it crash because it's relatively open there, uh -huh. like with a lot of like buckthorn and ferns and like just okay. some, like, like some small popple and some small ass, like nothing like, and then just on that edge is old oak or like older oak and pine mm -hmm. forest. So like, I don't know if I heard it crash into those, like getting uh -huh. into thicker cover or if it fell. So I'm sitting in my stand and like, I'm like shaking and you can hear me on camera. There's no way I missed. There's no way I missed. I'm going back and like, I stopped recording. I'm trying to go back. I'm, and it was a Garmin vibe verb verb is what it was. And I'm trying to view it on this tiny little one by one screen to see what's going on. I pull the memory card out and I try to throw it in my bigger camera and it wouldn't recognize the video format. I'm like, this is crazy. It's driving me nuts. And like, finally I'm like, all right, it's been 30 minutes. So I go over there and it crashed right where it was. Like it, oh, it, it was double long and clipped the top of the nice. heart. Like the thing with uh -huh. like, it was just adrenaline that drove it. But I'm just like, oh, thank gosh. It's amazing what they do. That seven pointer I was telling you about where he's moving my gun around. I heart shot at it. It came, jumped up, reared up on its back legs, ran maybe 20 yards at a dead bolt and dropped. That was really cool. It's and then, it, it yeah. is crazy. It's just, it's amazing. Like even comparing them to other, like other deers, like, like mm -hmm. elk and stuff. Like it's amazing how hardy the white tailed deer is. Yeah. We've, so my dad shot a deer a couple of years ago. And when we were skinning it, there was a broadhead stuck in one of the bones yet that it had grown over. You never would have known it until you cut it open because it was fine. It was walking normally. There was no issues with it. And I thought, whoa, I don't know how the arrow broke off or what happened, but it was just the broadhead sticking in it. It was crazy. I mean, you hear stories like that. A, a friend of mine does, he, he does the processing for me. Like mm -hmm. it, 
He doesn't charge. He charges me so little. There's no reason for me to do it myself. Gotcha. <laughs> but he, uh -huh. he, he, he processes, I don't know. It's just him out of his garage. I think he does like a little over a hundred deer a year. Oh, and he's wow. run into okay. that a couple of times. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. We do all our own. That was, I could skin deer before I could shoot deer kind of thing. It was always, it was just part of it. When I was sure. little, we'd raise cows and beef cows and that. And now everybody shoots them and I do all the, I do all the skin and cutting up stuff. Sometimes I like that more than the actual shooting of the deer. It's neat. It is. It, I, I, I've done my own. I've done three myself, mm -hmm. but he, like I said, like, I, I, I value my time more than he's like, cause he's fully set up. He's like, he uh -huh. can, like he has my deer back to me in normally like less than 12 hours. Oof. That's good. Ground and cut exactly how I want it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Why I, would you I, do it yourself? Kind of thing. Exactly. It takes me longer mm -hmm. to get everything out. I feel like, and get everything prepared. <laughs> like, but I've done it myself and it is fun. Like it's good to know how to do that. Like you should, yes. like, I feel like you Definitely. should know how to cut up. Like, even if you don't mm -hmm. know how, you should at least experience how to do it once. Like you should mm -hmm. work with someone For that sure. knows how to do it. Mm -hmm. Find a small local processor that maybe would let you watch or something like that. Mm -hmm. Just so you understand like the process that goes into actually skinning it and Definitely. then quartering it and then deboning it and the entire mm -hmm. process that it goes through. Definitely. It's a skill set that most people don't have, but should have. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the future, but if you can do all that on your own, it definitely makes things more valuable for you. Absolutely. <laughs> definitely. And, and I haven't made it out West like to hunt elk or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's, that's on my list to get out West. Um, it'll probably happen when I'm in between dogs next and I'll do a couple of years of focused archery hunting or something like mm. that. <laughs> um, especially cause my dog's 11. She, we, okay. we hold her at six. So she's mm -hmm. almost to the point of retirement. And normally gotcha. I'd have another like two year old right now, but she's dog mm -hmm. aggressive. So it's not okay. fair to her to bring it into the house even, and she's 11. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I feel like there's a good chance she's going to be retired to the point where I really can't hunt her, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to give up hunting. So I feel like I'll probably at that point, like it'll be that window is when I'm like, going to get back into archery mm -hmm. hunting. Cause I won't yeah, feel guilty go. about not running her because <laughs> she's not going to be able to run, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to bring another dog in yet because that's not fair. So I feel like that will be my window to get yeah. back into archery. Hunting. There's your chance. <laughs> exactly. And then that Very window, I definitely want to make it out West and like, I want to really want, but you need to know how to quarter an animal out there. It's not oh, like you're sure. just going to, it's not like mm -hmm. you're just going to drive your truck up and throw it yeah. out of the truck and uh -huh. drive out of there. Nope. You have to be able to put it on a horse or a mule or your own backpack. Right. For sure. That's, and yeah, you don't know how to do it. You just stand there looking at it like, okay, now what do I do with this? I shot it. Can't drag it out like that. Yeah. You're not, no, you're not dragging one. That's no. for sure. Like, no, I've never, like I've seen elk like at a zoo and like, I've never even seen mm -hmm. the wild elk in Wisconsin. I've never been at the right place at the right time for one of the yeah. two herds we have, but I do know they're a giant animal. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to, it's not like a white tailed deer where you're going to throw a rope around its neck or it's and just drag it out to your truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. Oh my goodness. No, I've never been, I've never been out West. I've hunted Pennsylvania's pretty much it, but it's been good to me. It's been good to me. Well, that's good. That's, mm -hmm. that's good. So I'm sure you spend most of your time in the fall with a bow in your hand to sit in a tree stand or maybe a saddle yeah. or a blind. Not sure what your preference mm -hmm. there is, but do you hunt anything other than deer? Uh, not intentionally. When I was little, my brother and I would go squirrel hunting. We'd have a competition to see who could shoot the most squirrels with the 22. Okay. Um, I'm proud to say that I won most of the time. He gets nice. so mad. Nice. I love my little brother, but he didn't want his older sister showing him up. <laughs> but this year I was sitting in, I was sitting in a tree stand in archery season. And it occurred to me that it was also the first day of turkey season. So I, I got on my phone real quick and I'm trying to Google, where do you shoot a turkey with a bow? Because we've had a herd of turkeys around our house almost every day at that point. And of course, turkey season starts and you don't see them anymore. So, but I was ready. I would love to shoot a turkey with my bow. That would be the ultimate, I think. They're, they're hard to shoot with a gun and then to shoot one with a bow on top of it. That would have been cool. I've, I've had that great debate. I always get a fall tag by me. Um, and mm -hmm. fall, it's either sex in Wisconsin. So okay. 
it's it's even easier like well easier mm -hmm. as in like if you see one like you can shoot yeah. it it doesn't matter anymore mm -hmm. um but I've, it's funny because i listen to like my my wife's uncle talk and he's like i'm not gonna shoot a 20 dollar arrow at a turkey what's wrong with you <laughs> i'm like it's not about the arrow <laughs> <laughs> no that's who that's a trophy right there but a turkey with a bow those suckers can see everything I agree. And I'm not, I'm not a big turkey hunter, but in the mm -hmm. in fall, I make sure to always have a tag. Mm -hmm. My cousin was a big turkey hunter. That was his, his favorite thing. The one that was moving my, my gun sure. on me. He was, that was his life basically was turkey hunting. He had all these custom calls and a thousand mouth calls and every bit of his gear was dedicated to turkey hunting. Deer hunting was an added bonus, but he was a turkey hunter through and through. I know other people like that and they just love it. Mm -hmm. I have not found that passion for it. I'll admit mm -hmm. that. But I know other people that have as well that they're like they travel mm -hmm. multiple states. Yeah. Different kind like the four mm -hmm. what is there, four or five species of turkeys and like yeah. just it's yep. it, it's a whole nother different group of people. Definitely. And I, I just think they're cool to look at. I mean, I would shoot one presented with the opportunity, but I like the deer. I love venison. That was my dad always jokes that when my brother and I were little, he had to tell us that it was venison if it was beef or we wouldn't eat it. I don't remember that, but it makes a good story. <laughs> That's funny. That, that's <laughs> funny. New Year's yep. this past year, I'd shot, I went down to Tennessee and I went on a hog hunt with a bunch of coworkers. Mm. So I, I made a pork shoulder and I'm, and no, it wasn't a pork shoulder. What did I, what did I? Was it the breakfast sausage I brought? Yeah, I brought breakfast sausage that was pork. Okay. And it's really, really good. Um, and we're cooking it up. And I and I said, oh, yeah, this is wild boar. And it was funny because my because one person might like, shh, quiet, don't tell everyone. I'm like, it don't matter. Like, they're going to eat it. It's fine. Like, almost everybody there hunts. Like, like mm -hmm. two of my three nieces hunt. And, like, wow. pretty much, I mean, well, two of the five. I take that back. The other two are younger, though. But, okay. yeah, I mean. Like everyone, like it's fine, and everybody ate it. And everybody's like, "Oh, this is really good." I'm like, "See, mm -hmm. no problem." But it's I think funny. It I know better when you know where it came from. It's very, I agree. very pure. <laughs> Has that good taste to it. But we, yeah, we do all our own processing, even like sausage, scrapple, kibasi, all that stuff. We do all that in house. So I grew up with that. It, it definitely. I'm very glad that I grew up with that. I've made my own sausage once. I still have, I've got my scraps from last year to make into sausage yet. I haven't mm. had time. It's at the bottom of the deep freezer. Um, <laughs> I've only done it once and I really, I got a, the first time it turned out okay. It wasn't, it was edible, mm -hmm. put it that way. Okay, but, oh no. But it, it well, I mean, it was, it turned out, I, I didn't put enough water in it is what I realized. Okay, yeah. Like I did not put enough water in mm -hmm. and I did straight venison. I didn't even cut it with pork because I wanted to try like straight venison. Yeah. I didn't put enough water in it and want it mm -hmm. really dry. And I'm like, but it's still edible at least. Yeah, we mixed ours about half and half. And the way the recipe started out was my great grandfather. There was really no written recipe. He used to say that you salt it until you could track a rabbit in it and then you pepper it to taste, which I think was always their excuse to, okay, go fry another one up and we'll try it, but <laughs> <laughs> to keep trying it. But we do have a recipe now. It's pretty good. I'm, it's about the only sausage I'll eat, unless other homemade sausage I'll try, but store-bought stuff, I'm spoiled. I'll eat homemade stuff. Well, that's awesome though. Like, mm -hmm. so, do you smoke it? Do we you... smoke kibasi, not the oh, sausage. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're we just inherited a smoker that we haven't quite fine tuned yet. Sure. But it it's neat. So we're learning more skills. But yeah, no, I've never smoked sausage. We don't really even stuff it anymore. We just wrap it up in two and a half to five pound packages, like freezer wrap it butcher wrap it stick it in the freezer and then when you want it you get it out and make we basically eat it like hamburgers and make patties out of it okay that makes sense that's all that pork sauce mm -hmm. that pork breakfast sausage i have is and okay. i've had italian sausage made the same way like venison mm -hmm. italian sausage my friend gets his deer processed and he gave me that and it just comes like as like one or two pound packages and mm -hmm. it's not stuffed yep. in, or encasing or anything like that mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah, that we stuff the kielbasa, but we don't stuff the sausage. Got it. Yeah, the last time I made like hot sticks and summer sausage and all that, I I want to mm -hmm. I smoked it all and it had really good flavor. It was just a little dry. Like okay. looking back and like looking at the recipes, I totally misjudged how much water was supposed to be in there. Yeah. Like I don't remember what it called for. If it called for like multiple cups, and I think I did teaspoons or tablespoons, like I uh -huh. completely misread it. <laughs> <laughs> like completely. It'll make a little bit of difference. <laughs> yes. I'm like, funny. man, this is really tough to like mix. And I'm like, mm -hmm. seems really dry. And then I started to read it afterwards. I'm like, you didn't put in like, I think I doubled or tripled the recipe. I think it was. And I only used enough water for one. Okay. Maybe I quadrupled the recipe and I only used enough water for one. It was something like that. It was something as ridiculous mm -hmm. as that. And I'm like, you dumb, dumb. <laughs> That's funny. I don't know that we actually, we have actual water as part of the recipe but we always end up adding i'm usually the mixer and we have this huge tub maybe it's like 20 pounds 30 pounds of sausage or something we put in this tub and i get to do all the mixing so i mix it and once it doesn't feel cold on my fingers anymore there's enough water in it because we dump hot water and to make it mix together easier that's okay. my my test if it's not cold on my fingers there's enough water and it. it hasn't failed yet so nice <laughs> nice mm -hmm. yep my old wives tale <laughs> <laughs> and that's like tracking rabbit through the salt exactly that's the best story and every time we make sausage we tell that story tracking but in rabbit. the recipe in the recipe do you have it written down when not cold to touch <laughs> no see see you're missing the key piece that's not in the recipe anymore <laughs> that there my cousin had this so it's the family kielbasa recipe. It was a secret for the longest time. He and this other guy would make it together and they each only had half the recipe. So they couldn't share it. They couldn't make it with anybody else. And then they started to get older and they decided, well, one of us is going to die soon. So they gave each other the other half of the recipe about 10 years ago. That was my Christmas present from him. I got this kibasi recipe and I was sworn to secrecy. That's so amazing. I am, I am the sole owner of the kibasi recipe. Do you have this like, do you have it like in a will? Like, does your lawyer have it? Like, upon <laughs> no. my death, give this to. <laughs> no, that, that's an interesting point though. But no, I, I have it and I'm glad I have it. It's, it's a really good one. <laughs> Why well, would, I mean, that's that's a pretty secretive right there. I mean, mm -hmm. when it's yep. so secretive, it's split between two people. I mean, we're like talking like that's like nuclear, like nuclear warhead codes at this point. Yeah, kind of. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some people have like all these terrible family secrets and ours is a kibasi recipe. <laughs> Could be worse. Could be worse. Mm hmm. It's a good one. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yep. Well, we're almost to the hour mark, so I want to give you a couple minutes here. Let everybody know how they can find you on social media. Thank anybody you want to thank. Talk about any sponsors you have that you'd like to thank. And sounds good. So I do have an Instagram. I'm from Z and then the number two, Amy. Um, I have a YouTube that I don't really ever use, so I wouldn't recommend using that one. I do post a lot of hunting pictures and archery pictures if you're interested or if you have any questions about anything I said, please get in contact with me. More than happy to answer any more questions or help you out. Um, West Penn Archery Club has a Facebook page. It's here's my shirt. Um, we also do have an Instagram page. I run the Instagram and the Facebook page. If you have any questions about youth archery or anything there, hit me up there. I would be happy to talk to you about that. Um, I'd like to thank Diamond K Archery, who is the guy I get my most of my archery equipment and my bows from, Pine Ridge Archery, um, Shrewd Archery, Boning Archery, Viper Archery, PSC, love your bows, you guys rock. My dad, he's the reason I'm in archery and the reason that I am as good as I am and everybody else that has supported me along the way. Really appreciate it. That's amazing. And then for everyone out there, I will make sure I put links to her Instagram and then the West Pine Archery Cubs Facebook page and Instagram. We'll have all the links in the description to make it super easy for you to find it. Sounds good. Amy, 
I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been absolutely great. Learned a lot yeah. about, learned a ton about competition bow hunting, <laughs> which is yeah. amazing because it's something I've never had much, never any actual experience with. Well, so if you ever always, like to try it. <laughs> if I'm ever out your way, maybe I'll stop in or, or if we Look ever cross up. paths at a shoot. So Sounds good. <laughs> to all my listeners, thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, based on that experience.